You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 170, covering Tribunal and Jem Hadar with Gav Brown. We're back from our triumphant appearance at the Emerald City Comic Con. Well, we met numerous fans of the show. Listeners of the show. I don't like fans. Fans makes it sound like people like us. Sounds like we're being listened to by rotating fans. Yes. I'm not willing to go quite that far. I say our appearance. Gav is actually here. Hi, Gav. Yes, I am back from my triumphant appearance at the pub. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure your appearance was much more triumphant than ours. You have a lot of those triumphs, don't you? That's a... That's a that's a common thing. See, that's a nice thing. If you call it triumphs, triumphs instead of an alcohol problem, then people don't get upset. <laughs> well, see, that's that's why uh, uh, that's the why U- I live in Europe. Yes, yeah. that's why the UK has a much lower <laughs> alcoholism rate because uh, they they actually drink more, but but they call it socializing, so it's okay. <laughs> well, Gav was telling me about uh, that some people are called high um, functioning alcoholics. Yes, and Gav's just like, it's not just a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Nice. I, I did want before I completely forgot because we're we're gonna get wrapped up in some some craziness this week. Um, oh yes. I, I wanted to thank everyone who came out to see us at the Emerald City Comic Con. We we saw quite a few people who who uh, who actually were not ashamed to admit to listening to the show, which was nice. Nope. Uh, used to that. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that came up was that, uh, and this was a constructive criticism. It wasn't like I wouldn't call it like sort of bitching or anything, but it was just like. You know, you guys made a lot of jokes and you were a lot harsher to the other two series, but when you got to DS9, you just sort of started, you know, gushing and not really uh, being as critical. And and I was thinking, you know, you're right. We should be more critical. And then these two episodes happened. It's like, well, yeah. not happening this week. <laughs> so sorry. We really yeah, it's a bit like difficult to think of a bad thing. Yeah. And and three, three of us, you know, all three of us have to do that. For both episodes, it's, it's, yep. it's, it's difficult, but uh, we, we will try to, to make a joke here or there, mm-hmm. be critical, but prob- probably not going to happen. Boy, ain't Julian dumb. <laughs> What's that guy's deal, huh? And and Morn, huh? Uh-huh. Boy, he's sure in the background. Watch out, you little doodad. <laughs> But seriously, thank, thanks to all of you who uh, who came out to see us. Uh, semi-related, our uh, volume two of our episode guide is available now. Again, I'm mentioning this now rather than at the end because I'll probably forget. Indeed it is. Uh, it covers the entirety of Next Gen, including the movies. Uh, it has contributions from not only the, the both of us, but all our regular guests, including Gav. Hi. So uh, that's that one. That's go to postatomichorror.com and click on store and you can get that. You can still get uh, volume one if you wish. Um, I believe I have a deal where you can buy both of them for a discount. Mm-hmm. You can get them in print or ebook form. So there's that. Covers by now famous Marvel artist Ramon Villalobos. Ah, yes. Ramon, who uh, just got the call back from Marvel. So mm-hmm. like to me, that's even bigger. Like It's one thing to, to get the job once, but if they call you back. That they want more work from him? Yeah. Yeah, that they're happy with you to, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that guy's working. Like, I kept everyone's like, "Wow, that's an amazing cover." Yeah, that guy works for Marvel now. Like, we, we have a, like we have anything to do with that? <laughs> Nothing at all. But we're gonna ride that train as far as it'll take us. Absolutely. But uh, what was the train from Emergence? Yes. yes. Oh, oh God. Is the Enterprise a train again? <laughs> no, it's a fire truck, Matt. God damn it. <laughs> 
the enterprise actually uh ds or uh next gen was over at this point like now as we move on through ds9 they're not running concurrently anymore no this is the only star trek you could get on tv for a while yeah until i think middle of next season when voyager launches like this this will be it for a while yep so and neither of you watched it at the time for some reason I watched uh, the first episode of Voyager. We are we are almost to the point where I started watching DS9, like chronologically. Sometime in mid season three, I started. No, we're about five years from when I started watching. <laughs> um, so I think I think that's all the business we had. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, get the book. It's got a great cover and great content. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, and and the content is different. Like if you've listened to the show, you've heard jokes that we made. We deliberately wrote all new stuff so that. We, we wouldn't feel bad charging you money for something you could get free. Mm-hmm. We're going to charge you money for other stuff. Yeah. So there's that. So, all right. Good to go. Uh, Matt. Hi. Why don't you tell us about the episode, what's called Tribunal? The one that was almost called Dark Tribunal? Uh, let's just let, let's just pretend no episodes <laughs> are called Dark Anything. Like that episode of Next Gen that was Dark Page. Let's just call that Page. <laughs> all right. So since he no longer works on the Enterprise, Chief O'Brien can no longer sell his vacation time to Worf, and is therefore sentenced to one week of mandatory sex with Keiko on a resort planet. Luckily, fate intervenes, and he is instead arrested by the Cardassian government for crimes to be determined at a later date. Uh, Post-execution, most likely. So Miles is carted off to Cardassia Prime, the pointiest planet in the galaxy for trial, and Keiko returns to DS9, where she picks up Odo. Now, Odo is familiar with Cardassian law and volunteers to perform as his... as O'Brien's Nestor, a Cardassian legal position, which means he who appears in early issues of Nintendo Power with Howard Phillips. <sighs> anyway, so Keiko and Odo arrive, and o- Miles wins Odo's trust with a speech about duty. Uh, turns out O'Brien is for it. Then the trial begins, and things start looking bad. Uh, Starfleet has actual proof that O'Brien didn't do it, but the Cardassians aren't really interested in proof that goes against their already decided verdict. The only thing that actually works is Cisco managing to find and arrest an undercover Cardassian agent who O'Brien, who was set up by O'Brien to make the Federation look bad. Luckily, they're able to get him away, get him all the way to Cardassia Prime, and then into the courtroom. And then, even more luckily, the judge is aware of who the spy is and decides to let O'Brien go rather than uh, embarrass the government. Uh, it all works out pretty handily. Uh, less luckily, O'Brien is still forced to spend a week with his wife. The poor dope. I, I think we all had the note, uh, you know, that O'Brien would rather go back to Cardassia than uh, than mm. have his week long. Uh, <laughs> tryst with his wife please no there's a there's a there's a great bit at the beginning where he just he's trying like he doesn't want to leave it's clear he doesn't want to leave and he keeps thinking of work stuff to to keep him there oh but if i do the thing then the other thing will work and it'll be much better for everyone get out of here chief oh no (laughs) wait i was running a diagnostic i can't i can't leave the diagnostic yes you can it's fine we can finish the diagnostic for you yep and then if i switch this off i'll have to fix it I think there's still some voles running around. <laughs> oh, that! God, let me hunt voles. That guy shows up. Yes, he the, does. The uh, Cardassian vole expert. What did What did you call him? Gull vole expert or something clever like that? <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, Go Matt. Vet was it? Yeah, I, I, Vec. Yes, um, but Matt Matt called him like gull vol expert or something. Yes, he was. He showed up in the in the uh, Maquis episodes as well. Oh, nice to have right. a nice to have another recurring Cardassian who isn't uh, just Gull Dukat, which is it's always which is nice cool. to hear from a vol expert. Yes, <laughs> always nice to hear from a woman. <laughs> 
this was this was great. I, I loved this. Really great. Really creepy, too. We've, we've made references to the whole O'Brien must suffer thing, but really this is where it starts. Yep. Like, Keiko jokes aside, this is really where the O'Brien must suffer thing like, yep. really takes off. And, and it's great because we all love him. Yep. Poor well, I assume, Gav, have you, have you ever spoken up about O'Brien? I assume you love him because everyone loves him. Yeah, but... yeah I like him. He's, okay. uh, he's a guy. <laughs> from, from I thought you were going to say he's Irish. Uh... <laughs> he likes potatoes. <laughs> Drinking and, and cabbage uh, and cabbage, oh, cabbage yes. yeah, hate uh, Kardashians, you know. Well, the usual, like all, like all Irish people, right? The, the, the allowable racisms. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get to that a little in the next episode, actually. <laughs> no, but I just I sort of assume everyone loves O'Brien the same way we do, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, I like him. I don't. I don't think I love him the same way you guys do, but that's a special kind of love. <laughs> Well, he's like he's for a man and a fine Cuban cigar. <laughs> he's he's just got the whole like likable everyman thing. Like he's you know I've I've worked with a guy like this at just about every job I've had, where he's like the older guy who's just sort of I don't know. I like him. Has a Japanese wife that hates him. Yeah, that's that old that old archetype. Yeah, he's John Lennon. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> that's oh no that that does not end well for him. Oh no, <laughs> at all. <laughs> Poor bastard. Uh, so what was your good thing, Gav? My good thing was... Uh, I like that Odo was the one in the story who, who worked with the Kardashian court. Because mm-hmm. at first I thought, that's an odd choice. You know, O'Brien and Odo um, barely speaking to each other much before. Uh, you know, they're hardly really... They don't exactly socialize with anyone. Odo not socializing with anyone. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a perfect choice from what Odo had said before about how things should be done on the on Deep Space Nine and how it was, how it was safer during the occupation. It was good to see him uh, operating from the other side and his being frustrated with the totalitarian system and maybe gaining a bit of mercy that not everyone is guilty was a nice touch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really think about it like that until you pointed it out. But it's it's absolutely giving Odo exactly what he wants, and realizing maybe this isn't oh, the shit. best thing for. Oh crap! This doesn't work. Sometimes people are actually innocent. Mm-hmm. That's all. I planned on that. I'm usually yeah. really good at this. Yeah, my my plan hinged on the fact that everyone is a criminal, but uh, mm. it didn't occur to me that someone might not be, you know, guilty of something. Well, you know, spend enough time with Quark, and you'll start thinking that too. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, you just start by pretty much questioning O'Brien as, as if, you know, you sure you didn't do it? Because it's your voice and everything. Yeah, I mean, we got evidence that says you did it, so obviously you did it, right? I like that a lot, like, the, his his whole, like, just, you know, like, he starts him off questioning him, and then it's like, okay, clearly you didn't do this. Well, I, I made a joke in my notes that it was like one angry man, because it, yes. like, it was like the play 12 Angry Men, where you gradually won over to someone's innocence, only it was just Odo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but Odo it, was formed himself into 11 angry men right yes. um but yeah not it's, a it, 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 not a cup or a mouse it's weird <laughs> yeah or an igloo or uh, a hot dog or abraham lincoln <laughs> <laughs> or a panther right or, manimal. he's not manimal <laughs> let's not be ridiculous now no, it, it's nice that this show is, uh, we've come far enough along that we can start matching up characters that don't usually have anything to do with each other, mm-hmm. which is good because you're right. They they don't really, like their jobs don't really intersect much. They don't really have much to do with each other and they don't really socialize with each other. So it's, it's nice to have a situation where they have to sort of come together. Well, the interesting thing with Odo is that he doesn't really spend much time with anyone who's not Quark or uh, Kira. Or, uh, Kira. <laughs> yeah. Um, we know why that is. Well, yeah. yeah. He loves he them both. Them both. Yeah. Right. 
Well, he's not quite sure what he is yet. No. Because of the whole <laughs> shapeshifter thing. So he's, he's so he hasn't decided on his sexuality. Right. He's, no. he's just hedging his bets just in case. If he finds out he comes from a race of bisexuals, he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yep. That, that is how that would go. Yep. Him not knowing gonna, what to I do. I was going to marry another mouse. <laughs> Possibly a cup. <laughs> and change my name to Fievel. <laughs> except, West. Except wasn't Fievel like uh, sort of based on Jewish Americans when they were, where they have the wedding ceremony where they smash the cup? I think. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> that would be very, very bad. Now smash this glass. Ah! Oh, my wife. <laughs> or possibly husband. I don't know. And then he wakes up. Yeah, it was all a dream. But yeah, you're you're right that uh, matching them up was was pretty great. Um, although Odo's fairly powerless to to do much. That's true. Although that sort of feeds into your bad thing, Matt. Oh yeah. So basically, like Odo spends this entire episode as uh, O'Brien's Nestor, and what that actually translates to is he's supposed to provide. Uh, like he's supposed to help the Odo's or uh, Chief O'Brien's lawyer and provide, you know, inter like help and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what he mostly does is act like an actual lawyer, which doesn't actually work in the Cardassian legal system. Um, no, he's applying like Earth law to to Cardassian court, where he's trying to object and introduce evidence, yeah. and they're just not hearing it. The the problem is that she like like the uh, she's called the arbiter. Yeah, basically the Cardassian Queen of Hearts. Yes, and she spends the entire episode, like, giving him way too much leeway during, you know, this really important trial that's being broadcast all over the word, world. Yep. And, yes. like, I mean, I, I understand how it works for the episode, and it buys O'Brien enough time to get saved, but, like, really, this should be a five-minute process. Yeah, dramatically, it makes sense, because we, the audience, want people to speak out on behalf of Chief O'Brien, and we want him to be okay, but, yeah, it doesn't really work if he, this is the way their court like, works. He spends the entire episode protesting, and she spends the entire episode going, I've told you and told you and told you you don't get to do that. Yep, it, it makes them come off a little more powerless than they should, that she can't keep him under control in her own courtroom. Yeah. Like she yeah, should like she should have thrown him out in the first ten minutes. Yep. She's basically a Futurama judge character that says, I'm going to allow this. Oh yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, just 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 for that sake alone, just so they can keep going with the story. Where they just record Tress McNeil saying, I, I'm going to allow this once and then they just keep playing it over and over and over again. <laughs> yes. Yep. I want to see where this is going. <laughs> but yeah, it it, it is uh it is a little flimsy, I would say. Uh, I do like Odo's, I apologize, Madden Arbiter, I am new at this. Well, they, they point out a few times that he's not, you know, he's not really qualified. No. And there's actually a really great scene where they're like, uh, yeah, Keiko's allowed to come because we want, you know, we want the uh, accused to be humiliated in front of his family. Yeah. But no, but none of you else get to go, and Odo's like, but I'm an officer of the court, Goldukat made me one. Mm -hmm. Ah, shit. Well, you're not qualified. Sure I am, I've done, ugh, Fine. Like, he, he sort of out-bureaucrats her, which yeah. I really like. That yeah, was... I guess I get to come because I'm a Nestor. No, that just means you get to appear in Doctor Who. <laughs> no, that was, that was Nestor. 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 <laughs> He's not a giant slug right. that I'm aware of. There's a, there's, could be. There's a mnemonic so. for this where, where he's a mess. So, <laughs> Nestor. Yes. Yeah. That's how I... And, and then Nestor sticks to the roof of the cave. Yeah, exactly. Was that, was that your mnemonic for that, then? Yes, exactly. Just call me Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> I'll call you that as long as I don't have to see you. Ironically, I don't remember anything about that movie. Johnny Ironic? Yes. <laughs> yeah, what was your bad thing? My bad thing? 
was considering uh, about the trial again considering it's supposed to be a show trial um there's a lot of things in it that they shouldn't really be showing to the Cardassian people you would have thought that, that it wouldn't be shown live i mean she, uh, she mentions the archon at one point that it's the longest trial in the history of Cardassia <laughs> and it's what an hour <laughs> Yeah, it's probably three minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like something she shouldn't even be saying. Is if the you know because it could show that the Federation can do that to their system of judiciary. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, the fact that Odo is even allowed to be in the trial, but uh, that, then that linked back in with with what Matt said. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's true though. No, it's it's a good point. They do sort of contrive a lot of stuff to to make the the drama happen, mm-hmm. but. I, I don't know. Like, it, it works for me. Like, I, I get what you guys are saying, and I don't disagree. I mean, basically, all this stuff happens to make a better episode. Right. Like, yeah. the, the flaws are there, but the flaws improve the episode. So, like, you know. Right. Well, the I only reason disagree. it's a bad thing is because there ne- we need to find bad things about this episode. Well, <laughs> yes, I don't disagree with what I'm saying, but at yeah. the same time, I don't really care that much about it. Right. No, and, and my bad thing is sort of along the same lines, where... I, uh, the basic premise doesn't really make sense. O'Brien was suspected of collaborating with the Maquis. Shouldn't the Cardassian government go through Starfleet or at least sort of extradite him through some sort of diplomatic channels? It seems weird that there's no... Like, they can just go into Federation space where they're not allowed, mm-hmm. arrest a Federation citizen, and it's all legal and okay. That doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. It, I don't... But I, well, I think it makes a bit of sense that uh, they wouldn't have an extradition treaty with the Cardassia. I, I don't know. They've, the war's been over for like a year. They've, they've probably signed all kinds of like, you know, uh, prisoner exchange treaties and all that sort of thing. It seems like they might have put one in place. I don't know. My, my, my main thing was that they're just in Federation space. Like that already is a violation of treaty. Well, I know, well, they know that doesn't make sense. No, at all. Yeah. No, we, we know that Cardassians are allowed into Federation space. They're not, though. But we have Cardassians coming aboard DS9 all the time. That's like, not Federation not... space. The whole premise of the show is that Bajor hasn't joined the Federation yet. Ah. It's not officially Federation space. It's under Federation protection. But it's not maybe officially it, part of the Federation. Maybe it's because the Federation kept going to Cardassian space. You're like, yeah, that could be another episode. They just thought, all right, fuck you. We're going to take one of your men then. That's a fair <laughs> point. I, I don't know. It just. Did you guys know Bashir was here last week? We got to do something about that. Not only that, honest he went. To, honest to God, Bashir. <laughs> and he went to the home of, like, our head spy. Can you believe this crap? It's not like he went to some store to buy something for, for, uh, for Garrick. <laughs> Maybe he thought it was. Hello, I'm here to buy a jumper for Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a tailor. Why would you. <laughs> oh, no, you've seen through my devious plan. <laughs> my clever ruse. <laughs> You're, but, far, you're far more intelligent than I gave you credit for. But it wouldn't it wouldn't have been much for them to just have written the fact that O'Brien was taking Keiko someplace that wasn't part of the Federation. Like they were going to some new resort in, you know, relatively unexplored, unclaimed space or something. You know, like something like that. Yeah. Where were they going? Uh, I don't know. Not Risa, but beyond that, I'm not sure. Someplace where you're not allowed to read. Statue, so clearly not Risa. <laughs> What's that? O'Brien oh, didn't bring his little statue, so clearly. <laughs> oh, I, sh- I should mention um, uh, our pal Bob, the, the regular guest, uh, Mark Bosco, uh, got his 3D printer working and found a 3D model of a Horgon from the episode uh, Captain's Holiday and, and printed it. So fucking great. So we had that sitting at our table and two people recognized what it was. Like, I, I just put it there to see if anyone would recognize. And uh, one person recognized and I offered them Jamaharon, but uh, he was married. So. Oh. Uh, 
didn't happen. Next time. Next, next time. Next time. Did, did any prostitutes come over, or did it keep them away? Well, it's hard to say as, with all as, the cosplay. The name yeah. <laughs> with all the cosplay, it's very hard to say. Oh, the that's, whore gone. Right. That's where that. That's where yes. that game comes from. Right. <laughs> Is it hipster or prostitute? Right. It could be both. <laughs> we get we get hipster prostitutes on their uh, on their penny farthing bicycles. <laughs> Is that, is that why they walk with a limp? <laughs> well, it's one of the reasons. That could be two things. Uh, so, uh, my good thing was... Yes. I really love the whole Cardassian judicial system. This is another one of those, like, let's take a culture we know a little bit about and show you how it works things. And the whole Orwellian system just seems... It seems like it could exist. Like, it, it seems... Like, they've done a okay job of trying to convince us that the Ferengi are an actual operating culture, but the Cardassians from minute one have felt like, yeah, this could be a real thing. Mm-hmm. And and their whole totalitarian, like, you're, you're guilty because we say you're guilty and the evidence is just there to support the state's case. Right. Like, that's so cool. It's like, well, if you're not guilty, why are you in jail? Right. And when you see establishing shots of Cardassia Prime, there's all these huge monitors outdoors that are just, like, spewing propaganda and it just, it feels so cool, like so yeah. traditional, dark sci-fi, like, you know, uh, uh, dystopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and, not just the, it's the, it's the huge buildings that just... Oh, the architecture it, too, it's yeah. It just imposes on everyone, so you could see that the state, I yeah. mean, if you were in there, if you were there, you would just be, feel so tiny compared to the yep. state and everything that in it. And it's and such a, it's it's like we've only gotten a few episodes that sort of tell you what their culture is like, but you feel like you know it now. Yeah. You feel and like the way everyone just joyfully is like telling Chief O'Brien, "Oh, don't worry about why you're here. That's not important right now." That's not really part of the process. The yeah. fact is, you're guilty. Yeah. And and uh, Matt, this actually feeds into your good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the character of of uh, O'Brien's well, not really defender, but no. you know. What do well, they call O'Brien's him? Got, he's called a conservator, and uh-huh. he they call him Chief O'Brien's lawyer. He's not. What he is is the guy who... Tr- he tries to get O'Brien to confess to his crimes for the good of the state. I love that. I yeah. love that that's the whole point. And is... sort of accept that he's going to die. And Yep. Yeah, because the, the, the ultimate victory for the state isn't proving his guilt. They've already done that. The ultimate yeah. victory is to get the citizen to admit... That they've done something wrong and and apologize for their crimes before yeah. they're put to death. Exactly. I love that. There's something really creepy about this this jolly old man trying to convince you that, ki- that killing you is good for everyone. Also, he's delightfully hammy. Well, he's a great... And he, and he wears a cardigan. Yes, he does. Yes, he does wear a cardigan. He's, he's got great makeup. He's, like, he's similar like, to uh, an Auburn Tain a few weeks ago. Yes. Like the older, sort of almost retired. Well, he's. you pointed out, Gav, he's a year from retirement. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> because of course he is. He's bought a boat called the Live Forever. <laughs> <laughs> that suits me. I just bought a boat. Many doors up. But yeah, you're you're right that the guy is is a bit hammy, but it it works in the episode. Like it doesn't uh, it doesn't take you out of the episode to have his uh, his great. Uh, you flatter me, sir. You flatter me. <laughs> One of my notes is that he seems like a Cardassian Fred Gwynn, the guy who played Herman Munster. Really does. He's just really got that, that sort of presence to him. It's fantastic. I, I really enjoy that. Listen. But but it feeds into what I'm talking about, which is that this guy is kind of a likable character, and he's trying to convince Chief O'Brien to admit to his guilt and accept death 
And I still kind of liked him. Yep. <laughs> That's hard to do. Well, like, you know, he's also like, oh, I can't believe this. Yeah, he's so embarrassed that, like, there are all these outbursts from Odo. And I, I don't know. I just, I really like the character type. I've worked so hard to never win a case and you're ruining it. <laughs> oh. I was going to get a set of steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> and a gold watch. Yeah. So let's talk a little about the uh, the guy who frames Chief O'Brien, the uh, the Cardassian who I guess got surgery to to look like Chief O'Brien's war buddy, Boone. <laughs> Boone. Boone, who's this weird sort of smarmy kind of like, hey, how you doing? I'm Boone. He's the Lando of Star Trek. Uh, yes, that's it. <laughs> I was trying to think of a character that he reminded me of the most, and that is that is it. Gav pointed out that he reminded him a bit of. Um, uh, Robert Goulet. Yeah, Robert oh, Goulet and Naked Quentin, Gun 2. Although I couldn't remember, it was Quentin Hapsburg from Naked Gun 2 and half right. I remember first. <laughs> but, uh, you know, same thing. He wasn't really playing a character. He was, no. you know, yeah, being He didn't Robert. seem at all like a Maquis member. No, he was smarmy. He seemed like a cowboy. He, he, a little, he, little cowboy. He like he was too coiffured to be, you yep. know, but his fighting Cardassians. His, his, his yeah. delivery was like, hey, O'Brien, how's it going? You belong here among the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, the Supremes with Baby Love. <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's it's interesting that the Cardassians would go to this elaborate length to, like, surgically alter a guy seven years before. Yep. Yeah, I was seven years that. he's been undercover just so he could bump into Chief O'Brien and... Record his voice, uh, which almost immediately is then discovered by uh, Chief O'Brien's co-workers. Yep. And the great thing is he bumps into him in the only reason that chief o'brien doesn't get away is that he he recognizes him right like he's almost gone yep it's like i recognize that smooth mustache <laughs> i fought in a war with that guy <laughs> he didn't have a mustache at the time but he like grew a mustache <laughs> damn i wish i hadn't grown the mustache <laughs> i like that the the starfleet guys sort of indulge in sort of cardassian style like law enforcement to to clear chief o'brien like, they're digging into Boone's personal life. They're doing all this, like, really invasive stuff. like Calling his ex-wife. Yeah, forcing him to, like, undergo a medical exam. Yep. Like, it seems very much a violation of his rights, but uh, it's okay, because they're doing it to save Chief O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't... He seemed to like he went a lot of trouble for basically an answering machine message. Yeah. Um, that, yep. uh, you can probably do that now, you know, fake someone's voice. And this is 350 years in the future. Well, uh, Wesley built the talking uh, Captain Picard yes. box. <laughs> but I think he used the same technology. I think he had to record his voice a few times to, to get uh, yeah. to get all the samples he needed. So this well, is all Wesley's fault. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley, Wesley killed a guy. Another guy. Brian. Yep. Yep. Thanks a lot, Wesley. <laughs> that reminds me. At the con, I saw it was it was a, a, a lady actually, a, a young woman uh, dressed as Wesley Crusher in the rainbow sweater. Mm -hmm. And I stopped her, you know, like trying to engage about the show, and she says, uh, "Oh, I don't like Star Trek." Like what? No, I'm just a Will Wheaton fan. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I never thought they existed. Oh, he's he's got quite the following. That guy. Yeah. It was just, it was strange because she clearly had done her homework on, like, it looked exactly like the outfit, but uh, just just to make fun of Will Wheaton, not to Let actually... Let me ask you uh, this, was she wearing a cowboy hat? Uh, no, she wasn't Boone. Okay. <laughs> Boone necessarily wasn't wearing a cowboy hat either. 
I'm going to allow that. <laughs> Thank I you. I see where this is going. Thank you, Mockbar. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so, what up, wings? Mockbar, who was the Archon, she, I always knew she would return. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I had to get God that in there. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> terrible she did have fantastic hair like at first we we get a shot of her like straight on and it looks like she's wearing sort of a a, a dracula collar yeah if you recall gary owen from uh bram stoker's dracula i i believe you mean gary oldman <laughs> oh well, gary oldman not gary gary, gary owen was the original voice of space ghost <laughs> if you recall space ghost from bram stoker's dracula <laughs> and the announcer for laughing hello moltar i'm space ghost yeah that's, that's dracula that's... It's not Gary Oldman either, it's Gary Oldman. Oh, old man, right. <laughs> well, yeah, but then he turns into Gary Youngman by the end of the ep- of the movie. Yes, Hen- Henny yes. Youngman's younger brother. <laughs> Gav, I think you and I are the only ones who get that uh, old man joke, but that's okay. That's, that's why I make these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else? What else I mean, indeed? It was a uh, great episode. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, uh, I was saying about the collar. It looks like she's wearing a Dracula collar, but uh, then she turns and you realize it's her hair. Her giant hair. She definitely has a like a Queen of Hearts vibe to her. Like she's definitely got that like imposing, you know, like uh, creepy lady vibe, which mm. I liked a lot. The hair looks like she is made of plastic, and she would just take it off at the end of the night when yes. she'd be bored underneath. Well, it's like a it's like a barrister's wig. Yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. That could be it. She could be bald. Only it's even heavier to symbolize the weight of the state. Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, my neck. <laughs> but uh, another another example of uh, what Amanda pointed out when she was on last, that uh, only the evil races are, are uh, treat their women equally. Yep. Have have women in power like this. But uh, but it was nice because she was, she was up there with, like, uh, Gul Dukat and um, the guy that tortured Picard as, like, really great sinister... Cardassians that you just wanted to hate. Like, uh, I and, that uh, and up there with Admiral Nechev is uh, oh. sinister, uh, as a sinister yeah. federation. Uh. Matt's, oh. Matt's favorite Admiral. <laughs> Still better than Kai Wynn. Well, you know who else is better than Kai Wynn? A of dirt or a piece of string. Yes. There's Would a nice... like some tea, Cisco? Why don't you choke on it? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a nice reference to... Um, after Chief O'Brien's captured and Starfleet is like, well, we're going to beef up security at the uh, at the demilitarized zone. The Enterprise is going to be there. It's like, you, you just know Picard's like, what, O'Brien's in trouble? Of course, of course we'll be there. On our way. Yep, which is fantastic. Yeah. I'm we more thinking, <laughs> which one is O'Brien? Yeah, What's that? <laughs> Chief who? <laughs> is he the boy? <laughs> That's weird. Do humans name their children Chief? The boy, sir? <laughs> you. You fetch my formal shorts. <laughs> No, I don't want to think about Warp having shorts. Formal oh, shorts. Uh, Formal shorts. Looks like a skirt. He he also, I believe, was at Emerald City because people were talking about him trying to get a, a show made, but mm-hmm. uh, that that wasn't exactly news. No. We, we know. Or oh, going to happen. It's yeah, not. Probably not. I don't know, because it's you never know like who's going to be in charge and who's going to greenlight what. It, it could happen, I suppose. Um... Oh, Cardassians uh, all have a molar yanked out when they're age, at age 10. That's a thing. And yet, when they put this guy deep undercover, they don't think to give him a new tooth. Yeah, they surgically alter him, like, dramatically to look like a human. But yeah, they don't uh, They don't give him a fake tooth. Like, I imagine it took a long time to scrape off all that extra bone <laughs> tissue and, like, yeah. 
replace all those scales with skin, but do they put a new tooth in? No. Yeah, and we have new tooth technology now. Like, I've gotten, yeah. you know, fake teeth put in. It's not... Uh, yeah. It's not I could really go get a this. new molar put in right now. Yeah. But it's I also... where I would put it, but... <laughs> I could, well, I'm sure... I'll not tell you. <laughs> on my tongue. I am now telling Matt exactly where he can put his new molar. <laughs> But didn't uh, didn't you say that that creeped you out the the uh, yanking O'Brien's tooth thing? Oh, yeah, I got a teeth thing. Mm. I could see that. Don't don't no, just don't. Is it safe? No, <laughs> none of it's safe. Get away from my teeth. <laughs> you just know that I've taken all those teeth and made them into a giant palace for the head of the Cardassian state. Oh yeah, that's where he lives. The Cardassian Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Yes, it's just it's like uh, Hogs Hogspot. Oh, yes, exactly. Just like in Hogfather. Um, and of course, we all had the note at the end where uh, O'Brien's free and gets to go gets to go on vacation with Keiko again. Where he's like, can I go back to Cardassia? <laughs> Please? Although, and the, the, the whole uh, racism thing with him. Oh yeah, it was it was a lot so like Star Trek great, Six, yeah. like in a, in a in a good way, like in that. Uh, so you you just inherently hate us, don't you? No, of course I don't. I'll play the clip. Would you say that you're a friend of all Cardassians, Chief O'Brien? Well, I like that one. Yeah, but... Would you say, would you say you're a friend of all Cardassians? Well, uh, uh, did you like this one? No! <laughs> Perhaps Come on, you recognize a... this voice. I'm going to kill you, Chief O'Brien. <laughs> That's right, it's your old friend. <laughs> <laughs> the Cardassian. <laughs> it's the Cardassian version of This Is Your Life. <laughs> And here he is, straight from Cardassia Prime, Derek the Cardassian. <laughs> How's it going, Miles? Now, there's, a, there's a great bit where she's like, how many Cardassians have you killed? None! Uh, except during the war. Like, I like that he doesn't really think of that as, as killing yeah. Cardassians. No, well, that, that doesn't count. We called a timeout. Yeah, it was a war. there was a war on. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. Of course, the, the thing is, he's bound to love Cardassians even more now, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. He's going to come out of this boy. I love Cardassians. Well, the the nice thing is they they really did a good job of of turning this into like if this had happened, it would have been a Cardassian like uh, excuse to for the demilitarize. Like it, it's a continuation of the whole demilitarized zone thing. Mm. The whole point of it was to convince the Cardassian people that uh, the that the Maquis were a threat and the demilitarized zone is a bad idea and they need to get rid of those colonies. And it was a nice way to sort of continue that plot in a different way. You have to work damn hard to make the Maquis seem like a threat. <laughs> they actually approach Bashir at one point. Like, secretly. Like, uh, it's not us. Oh, yeah, us. Deep Throat shows up in his apartment. Yeah. No, in, in sickbay. In sickbay. It's not us, it's somebody else. And then disappears like Batman. Yeah. And Batman is in the Maquis. Yep. Well, a few, a few Batman. If you, if that was true, he would have won by now. Yeah. No. He, he, somewhere, somewhere, Cisco was following him around, trying to give him his Batman uniform back. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just phasers it. <laughs> no, I, just, I picture a few different. Like, I, I could picture like uh, I don't know Val Kilmer being in the uh, in the. Oh, Maquis. absolutely. Maybe even George Clooney, but uh, probably not Christian Bale. But like uh. Val Kilmer, like he looks now. I haven't seen him since, like, he Kiss looks, Kiss he, Bang he, Bang. He so. looks ill. Does he? Yes, very maybe, ill. Maybe he is ill. Maybe that's in poor taste. Well, oh. isn't he going around the country uh, doing a one-man show as Samuel Clemens? Really? <laughs> yes, I believe he is. Wait, what? Time travelers! Oh, God! 
Yes, it's all your. It's the McKee and oh, <laughs> Samuel God. Clemens Mark, together. Mark Twain says Mark Twain has joined the McKee. <laughs> Get ready for Voyager. Oh, I am so writing that Star Trek novel. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's all I have for this one. How about you guys? We f- I found out that uh, O'Brien used to serve on a ship called apparently the Ruffage. Uh, no, it's the Rutledge. The Rutledge. Yeah. Is it the Rutledge? Yes, they mentioned it in uh, the the Wounded. Oh my God! I thought it was the Ruffage. No. I thought it was it was a ship made out of like cabbage. Yes. <laughs> well, muesli. That's keep, the... him, <laughs> keep him regular. <laughs> yeah, it's made out of cabbage. It's the Irish ship. <laughs> it's made out of cabbage, muesli, and teeth. <laughs> 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 It's continually eating itself. Wow. It's chewing its way through the galaxy. <laughs> I'm trying to make a pop will eat itself reference and it's just not happening. I'll keep working on it. We can come back. Nah. Ever forward, Matt. And anything else about this one that we need to... There was a bit where Cisco says, that's the one question I want an answer to. <laughs> I also want to find out. Yeah. Okay, so so you can't count again. That's two <laughs> questions you want. I keep thinking our our weird Cisco can't count joke is going to die, but we keep managing to uh, <laughs> no, to find ways to keep hilarious. it around. It is, but I don't even know how it started. I don't either. Because I, I don't know how many episodes ago it was. Well, the thing was, we didn't even decide it on the episode. We decided it while watching it. Yeah, that's true. And I, I don't know what it was a reference to. Like, I have no, I, no context for it whatsoever. We just decided he can't count. So, yeah, so if you're just joining us, for some reason we think that that Commander Cisco just ha- does not have the ability to do simple math. That's going to look great in the uh, the guy gu- the episode guide. Oh yeah. Well, we'll we'll fuck up the page numbers or something. Just do... mm. <laughs> the episodes will be out of order. <laughs> <laughs> For this show, that's probably not a good idea. Is this the first episode of the fourteenth. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Just, just watch the first five. How many is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to start. Matt, you got a quote for us? I do! What is it? <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, O'Brien's lawyer, uh, trying to, con- trying to convince him to, uh, give it up for the good of the state. What am I being charged with? Oh, no need to worry about that at this point. This is insane! Whatever you've done, whatever the charges against you, none of that really matters in the long run. What does matter? This trial is to demonstrate the futility of behavior contrary to good order. Everyone will find it most uplifting. Not everyone. Once again, justice will be done. Our lives will be reaffirmed, safe and secure. Here on Cardassia, all crimes are solved. All criminals are punished. All endings are happy. Even the poorest of our subjects can walk the streets in the dead of night in perfect safety. You're only one man, but your conviction will be a salutary experience for millions. Yeah, that is that is a fantastic scene. Fucking uncomfortable. Yep, a little uncomfortable. All right, so time to move forward now to the season finale, The Gem Hadar. Yes, it's me and another season finale. Yeah, we didn't plan it that way. You actually couldn't no. make it for your for your uh, first choice, but, uh, but somehow you the, weaseled your way into a season finale again. The universe will have its way. <laughs> so yes, uh, Cisco takes Jake to a gamma quadrant planet for science or something, and Nog and Quark tag along too. 
can anyone else hear the odd couple theme? <laughs> Owen Cork accidentally sets himself on fire. An alien humanoid appears, but before they can react, Quark, Sisko and the alien are surrounded by space rhinos and held in a Doctor Who-like cave. The alien, it turns out, is called Eris, and the rhinos are Jem and the Misfits, <laughs> or possibly Hadar, who conquered her homeworld with the love of gla- glamour and glitter fashioned in fame. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jake and Nog escape to the runabout with hilarious consequences. Between whiles, Quark and Sisko try to remove a telekinetic suppression collar around Eris's neck so she can use her secret magic powers to escape, and lo, they did and they do. <laughs> a Jem'Hadar ship comes through the wormhole to the station and tells them to quit throwing rubbish into their quadrant. <laughs> the Odyssey, a galaxy-class starship, remember them? Goes into the Gamma Quadrant to investigate the Jem'Hadar threat and find Noj Industries, rescuing them <laughs> and the Sisko crew. Jem'Hadar ships arrive and there's a kerfuffle. Badly beaten, the Odyssey returns to retreat back to the Alpha Quadrant when a Jem'Hadar ship heads straight for the Odyssey, smashing into it. The Odyssey is completely destroyed. Back at Space Nine, Eris is revealed as a Dominion agent all along before she escapes. Sisko surmises the Dominion will be no triple at... No, no, wait. There'll be a whole heap of triple. (laughs) Nice. I'm I'm impressed that you made a reference to like the second verse of the gem song. Usually people don't get past truly outrageous. No, nope. I had to think for a minute. Glamour and glitter. Fa- oh yeah, that, that is how the song Glamour goes. And I'll, 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 fashion <laughs> yep. I'll give you. Uh, I'll let you on something. I've never seen gem. Oh, oh. that's okay. Neither I have just, I. Actually, I just had to look it up. <laughs> I was like, I've got to make a gem reference. Well, of course you do. And then apparently there's a movie now or something, so it's all yep. linking in. See that universe again? Yeah, that's what we—that's what we do now. We make gritty movies based on '80s cartoons. Yeah, I uh, enjoy the Michael Bay Turtles movie, Matt. Feel my, <laughs> feel my pain. Here's a thought: Go fuck yourself. <laughs> hey, Transformers is, Four with Mark Wahlberg is coming, so uh, oh God. you know, go, go fuck yourself is what Michael Bay is saying to every to every movie he takes out. Yeah, to well, every. He would uh, be if he could pu- if he could speak in public. Oh, can he not do that? Nope. Didn't he? Didn't he like yell at somebody or have a meltdown or he was, something? He was trying to do like some like ad for some sort of TV or something, <laughs> and the teleprompter broke down and he panicked and ran away. Ah, <laughs> the merry-go-round broke down. Yes, very loony selection for a guy who ruined the Transformers and the Ninja Turtles. The thing is, you have to try really hard to. All right, no, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> this was a fantastic episode. Why don't we talk about this? Yeah, it was. I'm just. Let's talk about sliders. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just found out that uh, the the Sci-Fi Channel or Siffy, as they're called now, Ugh. is doing a uh, an original series based on Twelve Monkeys. Oh, good. And uh, all I could think of was sliders. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I'm I'm gonna go right into my good thing because I ha- I took all of them. Yeah, you did. I took every good thing. I really, I wasn't trying to do that. What I was trying to say was this was amazing because this and this and this. But it, yeah, I, I do end up, I, I apologize, guys. I, I didn't mean to steal all the good things. Well, you should. This is easily the best season finale we've seen on Star Trek so far. Not only does it set up a new situation for next season, but it keeps things moving at incredible pace. It starts as this sort of comedic, like Gav said in his summary, like the, the odd couple thing. Mm-hmm. But then it just escalates and escalates until we have a ship the the size of the Enterprise just blowing up. Like, holy, f- this is amazing. We get character development, backstory, and a major new player, and fuck tons of action. I mean, maybe the first time I ever looked down at the runtime and thought, no, don't be over yet. 
it was a satisfying hour, but it also makes me want to be watching season three like now. Well, you'll have to wait a couple of days. Yeah. Well, I could Almost. as soon as we re- finish recording true. this. As I soon could... as we finish here, you could go watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Uh, All dick. of season three tonight. Yeah. Dick. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Here's the thought: Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Been having that thought a lot lately, haven't you? Apparently. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I the uh, Cisco thought at the end. I really wish I just let uh, Jake do his mushroom project instead of taking. So yeah, no easy. kidding. None of this would have happened. No, Thanks I just. A lot, Jake. There's a. Sierra uh, Lofton does appear in this episode and fucks everything up. To our detriment. Yes. Yes. Or as well, fl- since you had picked all, picked everything, I was I, I was going to choose the Cyric Lofton being in the episode. Ah, well, there you go then. As being not being dead and actually appearing in an episode. Yeah, and, uh, and that's eight episodes in a row he's missed, mm-hmm. or is it so soon on the entire box set of the Michael Richards show? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the great thing about him being in this episode is it's a huge arc setting up intergalaxy story that managed to be personal with Jake and his dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a special occasion, so I made a limerick. Of course you have. <laughs> of course I have. There is a guy called Cyril Lofton who'd missed DS9 episodes quite often. Though in this science project he had in the Gamma Quadrant with his dad, and due to Quark's allergies, he was coughed on. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Now, uh, uh, Flonk... becoming a poet. Flonk pointed out that... Uh, <laughs> becoming? He's been doing poetry since, like, uh, Turnabout Intruder. I know. Uh, turn about and trigger. <laughs> Flunk pointed out that uh, what Sierra Lofton has been doing for the past eight episodes is apparently growing a foot <laughs> and having his voice drop an octave. <laughs> like he suddenly hit puberty all at once while he was gone. Hi, Dad. Hey, Dad, I got a school project. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Get out of my- yeah. <laughs> you must be the size of Tony Todd. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> But I, I mean, we've said this a million times. I love their relationship. The, those two are fantastic. And there's there's some great stuff here. I love that Cisco uses his power to like, like, uh, oh, you want to do a science project? Let's go to the unexplored quadrant of the galaxy to do your science project. Sounds great, Dad. I just, that's that's so great. Yep. I wanted to, us to go on vacation together. On the other hand, it didn't occur to me. Gav uh, pointed out an angle of this that uh, <laughs> that might not be good for everyone. Perfect federation, really? Yeah, sure, everything's the same for people unless your dad is captain and you get to go to the bloody gamma quadrant for your science project. Between whiles, Timmy has to make do with macaroni and glue as it's the only thing he can get his goddamn replicator to make while his mom is out prostituting herself at court. <laughs> yes. For little Timmy, there will be no holiday in the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> I, I would love to see what happens with the other children in that class, because, yep. yeah, obviously none of them went to the Gamma Quadrant and started a war. Yep. Yeah. And you just bet that uh, Cisco and and, uh, and Nog are, aren't liked in there, because they're just yeah. a click and no one talks. Oh, look at them, they're going to the fucking Gamma Quadrant. Oh, look. oh you're the station commander's dad. There's no J Enterprises again. Uh-huh. Oh, it, these guys. Yeah. And plus, they're all Bajoran kids, so they're they're sort of like uh, grew up in horrible conditions, so they got yep. low self esteem anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just it's even worse for them. So yeah, I I want to I want to watch the adventures of uh, Timmy the downtrodden Bajoran student now. <laughs> I like this Deep Space Nine version of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as funny and a lot more sad. Uh-huh. No, it's it's just as funny. 
what and Keiko O'Brien as Mr. Belding. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Here's I've I've never actually seen Save. What by is Bell. going on here? Ah, Save by the Bell looked like a TV version of Archie although, to me. Although to be honest, she's more likely to be Screech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Screech made a porn movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd still rather see her naked than Dustin Diamond. Well, that's true. <laughs> I uh, want to talk about people with teeth on them. No, no, I want to talk about this episode. <laughs> There's a there, what I, what I was saying about the uh, the whole finale vibe, and this is something DS9 is going to do sort of late. Like this is the first of many great season finales. There's no actual cliffhanger. They just sort of like leave you like here's what's going to happen next, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, it's like it's it, it's not. They don't do it to be contained. They're just like, yeah, the shit just hit the fan. Yeah, like we've been poking around in the Gamma Quadrant, like exploring new worlds. Well, uh, they don't want us there. No. I love that. Mm-hmm. This is this is fucking fantastic. We get so much like establishing, like we 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 find out who the Gemhead are. We find out about the Dominion, about the founders. Yep. There's so much information here, and There's first appearance of the Vorta. I don't know that they're called the Vorta, but that's not really a spoiler. No. But uh, that's what that's what Eris is. She's a she's a race that we'll see again. Mm-hmm. And uh, creepy as hell, looking like sort of. Uh, how would you describe? Not not really bug eyed, but like just always staring, never blinking. I thought Emotion- she was pretty. She doesn't really have any emotions, but she's not emotionless. Right. She's not like a Vulcan. No, but she yeah. probably has just negative emotions. It's like that thing where they're just they're just taking everything in, you know? Yeah. But there's sort of a tilt to her head, and she's just kind of staring at you all the time, and it's just, it's creepy as hell. I like it. And there's Matt apparently finds her attractive. Yep. <laughs> Which is nice. There's, there's a bit... <laughs> so that's all good. There's a, bit, there's a bit with Cork and Cisco hugging, and Harris looks disgusted by it. Yep. Like, what Which is this? Is, is this how you do things in the Alpha Quadrant? Really? Ew. Yeah. No, and and just so much of it. Like I say, it starts out. It, it it really fakes you out. That's that's the best part. It seems like such a it it it's clearly seems like a crappy broad comedy episode. Well, and my bad thing was the broad comedy. It was like Quark, like I think Quark and Cisco have good chemistry as it is. You don't need to make Quark more ridiculous to mm. make it work. But at one point, as Gav pointed out in his summary, he's literally on fire, and whooping, "I'm on fire! I'm on fire!" Like, ugh, really. <laughs> It could have been worse. Could it have? Yes, it could. Someone could have said, "Hey, Quark, you're on fire!" <laughs> and then he could have been literally on fire. Oh, yeah, that's true. Or they could have started singing "Row, row, row your boat." That yes. <laughs> Around the oh, campfire, they could have made marshmallows. Marshmallows, <laughs> yes. I'm attempting to roast a human marshmallow. <laughs> I like to roast a human. <laughs> I like how he's disgusted by uh, Cisco's jambalaya. Yep. <laughs> Which is not a euphemism. No. No, Nog seems not. to like it though. Well, yes, but Nog's a suck up too. Well, yes. I just I don't know. Like I said, I would have if Quark hadn't been the broad comic relief as that he was. I actually would have enjoyed that episode in and of itself anyway. Just sort oh, of oh yeah, the, totally. Like because again, it's another pairing of characters we haven't seen, and it would be like Quark trying to kiss up to Cisco and Cisco okay. just having none of it. And we almost never see Quark and Cisco together, especially not in an environment where they can't, where Cisco can't be patronizing to him. Yeah, Cisco doesn't have any power over him. They're basically equals. Yeah, and and yeah, it leads to some great stuff. Like if it didn't result in like the most important episode of the season, like I'd still want to watch this episode. Yeah, 
It's but it is quite good like, that, that this Jim Hadar was in this episode, with, which is basically Cisco's holidaying with Abbott and Costello. And <laughs> the other one with the first mention of the Dominion is... Oh, yeah, it was a wacky Ferengi, Ferengi episode, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool that they're dropping all this big stuff, like, in inconsequential episodes. Yeah. Which is nice. But, I mean, you know, if you poke around in the Gamma Quadrant, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And yep. at, at one point that Jem'Hadar uh, shows up at the station and uh, hands Kira a list of all the, the stuff that they've blown up, uh, including the new Bajor colony. Yeah, which we just established, uh, what, like two episodes ago? Yeah, where the Bajorans have set up a, a, a nice new colony in the in the uh, Gamma Quadrant and they've like really started like irrigating and coming up with like, you know, farming stuff and like really, you know, setting up roots while well, they're they're done. They're now. all gone now. Yep. It's it's so fun. like just this. We don't know anything about the uh, the Dominion yet, but it's like in in this in a similar way that the Borg were like, "Fuck, what do we do now?" It, yeah. on, only it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, oh god, they're just we're like, in way uh, over our heads. We're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, what are we gonna? They, I mean, the fact that they took out a galaxy class starship, which you know we spent seven years following, and we know is like the most powerful thing the Federation has, and it took one of their tiny ships to blow it up. Yep, you're like, oh shit. And the this, fact this that they just, just throw the away of... one of their ships, too. Like, yeah. one of their crappy little scout ships, they yep. just throw it at our best guys. Yep, and boom. <laughs> but, uh, this is all of the Federation's fault. Well, it is. Oh, yeah. They're, they're in space that is, you know, clearly... Well, theirs. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, the Gamma Quadrant is the Dominions. Right. The Dominion, they come over. They don't tell them they've killed anyone. They just come over and say, please stop. Well, they don't say please, but they say stop. Yeah. Stop going into our stuff. Yeah, and... and, and, uh, and I think the... it's Dax who says... No, we we won't. We're the federation. Well, she doesn't. We're the federation. We can go where we like. Yes, basically is lie. how they say it. Yeah, their whole attitude is, but but it's space. It's meant to be explored. I don't care if it's yours. Not our space. We got a fence. Yeah. Is that why they keep going into Cardassia then? <laughs> yeah, apparently they can just go where they no, want. It makes sense to me. Well, that was that was a big part of the first half of this episode. Was was Quark calling Cisco out for all that racist bullshit that you know. That you, we've been calling him out on since the series started. Yeah, you think humans are so great, but only well. I, isn't this your uh, quote, Gav? Yes, the the whole yeah, it's the whole conversation with Fork and Cisco, and here it is. Yes, you Federation types are all alike. You talk about tolerance and understanding, but you only practice it towards people who remind you of yourselves. Because you disapprove of Ferengi values, you scorn us, distrust us, insult us every chance you get. Quark, I don't have to stand here and defend myself. Tell me, Commander, would you allow your son to marry a Ferengi female? I never thought about it. Exactly my point. Yeah, I really like that. That that felt like a lot of the sort of criticisms we've been making. It's nice that the writers are aware of that and have a character actually saying it. Yeah. And you now, can see Cisco was he didn't agree with him, but you could see he was thinking about it. He's like, shit, this what, guy may have a point. Yeah. Whether whether it's going to change or not is another matter entirely. Yeah. No. Well, all that all that being said, uh, Quark, you might want to get off your high horse there. I've seen how you treat your women. Well, that was your bad thing, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, that and one of the major plot points toward the end was that he took uh, Eris's uh, slave collar. Yep. Because he wanted to reverse engineer it so he could make them. Yep, no one, uh, no one seemed to have a problem with that. <laughs> so he calls Cisco out on slavery, and then he, he's uh, trying to market slave collars. Ten minutes later. Oh, yep. Oh, that quark. <laughs> what, what's he going to get into next? Prostitution. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Hipster prostitution. 
Always hips crossed. I got a penny farthing bicycle again. <laughs> the uh, there there is a nice uh, moment where Odo is like, "Well, I guess we got to go rescue Quark," <laughs> and and he tries to convince Kira. No, you, you don't really hate him. None of us really hate him. He's okay. I mean, you hate him, but you don't want him to be dead. Yeah. No, I kind of do. Nah. Okay. You hate him and you want him to be dead, but you don't want him to suffer. <laughs> no, well, I, no, I do. That sounds pretty good, okay. actually. Okay. You hate him, you want him to be dead, you want him to suffer, <laughs> but you don't want his. You don't want him to suffer for a long <laughs> time. But what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> no, it was it was fantastic. I I really uh, yeah really enjoyed that. And and this was a good like uh, Quark episode and people sort of examining their prejudices against Quark, mm-hmm. which go when, when all the other stuff is going on is pretty fantastic. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a lock to pick. Yep. <laughs> Can't believe you would assume that I could just pick a lock. Now I'm going to go pick that lock. I can, but that's not the point. Yeah. Your, uh, your Quark's uh, straying over into your Paul Lind. I know. Quark's a tough one to do. I've been working on that one since we started. No, I can't. I haven't even attempted. It's it's not. Uh... Of course, I don't also do my Chief O'Brien Irish accent when Gav is here, because I'm, I'm ashamed. <laughs> the thing is, I can't not do it. Yeah. Suppose I do it. <laughs> but I do it. Yeah, but that's different. <laughs> that's extra weird. What, there was a point we were watching, and you go, heart to tar tar and I just felt, like, embarrassed. Like, God, don't say that, Gav. See, now you know how Cisco feels. <laughs> He's reciting his national anthem. Well, that is you, true. You've been quarked. <laughs> uh, that's why he wanted the monitors. He wanted to show his new reality show. You've been you quarked. You got quarked. <laughs> God. What will he get up to this time? I really don't know. want to know what it would entail to be to be quarked. No, but I would rather be quarked than rommed. <laughs> You're getting rommed, brother. <laughs> that's the spinoff, rom job. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Thank God there's no one called Rimmer in this. <laughs> um, Matt, what was your good thing? I uh, So we got our first look at the Gem Hadar here. Mm-hmm. They look awesome. Yeah, they do. Well, as, as Gav pointed out, they're, they're sort of modeled after rhinos in a way. Yep. Except they have horns everywhere. Th- yeah, ex- except their nose. <laughs> yeah. The horns go all the way down. Yep. <laughs> Just like the spots. Uh, the the uh, in memory alpha, one of the uh, writers or producers mentioned that there's a relation apparently between uh, the Jem'Hadar and Tosk from uh, yes, early season that's one. Really interesting. Which was cool because they did have a similar look, mm-hmm. and and it was cool. Like it's in the script, but it's not actually in the episode. But I, you know, I'll take that as canon. There's nothing, yeah. you know, contradicting that or whatever. So yeah, why not? I just I that, think... it's a nice little thing to tie it together. Yeah. Although they I don't have to think... be a stupid pose to cloak. Well, yeah. What's uh, that, Gav? T- Tusk and Bosk from Star Wars just seem alike to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. a great talk show. I'm Tusk. I'm Bosk. I'm Tusk. I'm Bosk. Oh, God. Uma Oprah. Uma Oprah. <laughs> no. well, no. Is Tusk retiring too? Yes. <laughs> They're replacing him with Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Which seems a left field choice, but they are. Yes. The, um, no, it's a right wing choice. Ah. The uh, the Jem'Hadar do have this this cool little like personal cloaking device. Like their ships don't cloak, but they do. Mm-hmm. And they suddenly just sort of streak in from out of nowhere, and it's like, oh fuck! They're just they, I was here the whole time. They, ah. It's it's one of the rare occasions because we know they're going to be like we won't spoil exactly what happens, but we know they're going to be a big part of what happens next. Mm-hmm. And they just feel sort of fully formed. Like there's some details we know that haven't been revealed yet. Although Matt pointed out something on the costume that feeds into something from later. Yes, but. 
I'm not going to tell you like what it does, but you'll note if you look, you'll notice there's a little a wire going from uh, yeah the Jem'Hadar's chest up to his neck. Yeah. So if you're familiar with them, you know like it's already been established, even though we haven't gotten it in yeah. in the show yet. And and it's just cool because like they're they're fully like they look the way they're supposed to look, they act the way they're supposed to act. The the lead Jem'Hadar guard has this great speech about how he had hoped to meet a Klingon first from the Alpha Quadrant because mm-hmm. they respect them as warriors and. That just felt like everything just felt right. It didn't feel like they have to fix them first. You know, like no. so many other races, they introduce them and then it's like, no, this isn't right. It's like, okay, let, how can we make this? The Ferengi. Work? Yeah, like yeah. the Ferengi. This this episode was actually a good example of them still trying to fix the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and actually, uh, the, the race that Eris is part of, like, uh, doesn't have telekinetic powers from, from this point forward. Just nope. just this one time. It, luckily, it turns out that they have just the one who can do a Hadouken. I don't know what that is. You shut a fireball out of her chest. Ah. It's a Street Fighter reference. Yes. Again, not, uh, you should know everything about Street Fighter. Do you know when Street Fighter 3 is coming out? Uh, I'm hanging up on you now. I, I, know, I know nothing about Street Fighter. Osmosis with the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> he talks to me about it, so I know about that fight but, in Final uh, Fantasy. How does that not work the other way? How does he yeah. still not know what Star Trek is? It's, it's a very bad osmosis. One-way osmosis. <laughs> uh, Which just sounds like a great band. Yes, it does. So the uh, the captain of the Odyssey was um, Alan Oppenheimer, who did a lot of uh, voice acting over over the years. He was the voice of uh, Skeletor and Man at Arms on uh, He Man. Right, and he was the bad guy in Dark Man. He was he, no, <laughs> and he was Paul Rudd. Yeah, he was Paul Rudd. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm Paul Rudd. <laughs> You're not Paul Rudd. Not me, you idiot. Him. <laughs> Left to shoot us both. <laughs> shoot us both, Spock. I'm not going back, Jim. So I wanted to determine which one of us is truly Paul Rudd. <laughs> Hint, it's me. Listen, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of Paul Rudd. Well, that's certainly not true. No, I know. Oh, so all you, oh, you've been rudded doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, not really. That's my ROM spinoff. <laughs> Starring Paul Rudd as ROM. Yes. <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> you want to watch this clip from Mac and me? <laughs> Once again, I, I'm very aware that those of you who uh, took a free CD and talked to us at Emerald City, this may be your first episode. For that, we apologize. No! For, for which we say, it can only go downhill from here. Yes, I just, I, I, I can't explain the Paul Rudd thing either. Don't worry that you're, you're not catching on to a joke, because uh, it's not exactly a joke, it's just the nope. thing we say. Yep. It's a, it's a thing. Yes. It's a thing that we say because it's true. Well, if we keep repeating things enough. Then, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah we're, we're Cardassians now, you think. Right. There it's... are four lights and I'm Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Paul Rudd. Still. Well, there are four lights. There are four lights. Well, if I wasn't Paul Rudd, why would I constantly be telling you I'm Paul Rudd? That doesn't make sense. I should mention Morin was in this episode. Morin was, was in this episode. And uh, he speaks in the German version of the dub, uh, and he says "Dan nicht," which basically means "so much for that," because <laughs> it's a bit of the start where uh, Quark says, "You know, you can tell me anything," and, and Morris just about to speak, and then Mo- uh, Quark g- g- runs off to talk to. Yeah, it's to that Bo- sort of it's, it's that sort of broad farce thing. Yeah. Where it's like, "Let's have a chat, buddy." Oops, gotta go. Poor Morn, he's going through a really messy divorce right now. He could use a a, a, a sympathetic ear. Yes. Was that so, a Ferengi joke? It's German. Yes. Yeah. Well, no one who speaks German can be an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> Parole granted. D-Morn-D. 
And uh, he's also been in, he also ends up in more episodes than Jake. Yeah. I that was I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> Morn does appear in this episode. Yep. Zerk Lofton, <laughs> not so much. No. Um, but what I was what I was saying about Alan Oppenheimer, also the voice of uh, uh, several people in or creatures in uh, the Neverending Story, and uh, uh, the villain in the fake Matt's least favorite cartoon Ghostbusters. Ugh. Uh, but I point this out because right before the ship is destroyed, where he's like, you know, shields up. He's he's got that prime evil voice. <laughs> Ghostbusters. It's, it's just, it, it doesn't sound like. A human character on Star Trek, it sounds like a ridiculous cartoon voice. Like, yes, maybe not the the most subtle actor for this. Nobody. I actually really like that guy. No, he was he was cool as like clearly competent, not asshole captain. Right. You know? No, I don't see too many of those. Eh, I mean, there's a, like our main character. There's other Picards out there. There's I know, other... and it's, I, I, but we don't other... see them that often. And I thought it was cool that we did. That's true. Other Picards are available. Yes. <laughs> Variant Picards, you know, the spares. <laughs> but, you know, you, I mean, that's sort of what you expect on one of those ships is like the distinguished older man that you, you believe as a captain, you know, and, yeah. and he definitely filled that. He just, he had a silly yelling voice is all. And I'm well, surprised. So how, What's that? How many Galaxy-class starships have been blown up now? Uh, quite a few. At least three. Yeah, and Generations is about to happen, so that makes yep. a four. There goes another one. Yep. So there's the Odyssey, Enterprise, Yamata. Uh-huh. And... There was. Uh, we probably lost a ton of uh, Wolf three five six. Three five nine. Three five nine. That's yes. what I said. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, no, one one you no, one you <laughs> no wonder you can't get through. <laughs> what wolf am I at? <laughs> How did my wife get killed? There aren't even any Borg here. <laughs> I was just going to say that that captain's. I was surprised that that captain's first officer wasn't Beast Man. <laughs> Beastman, raise shields! Skeletor. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, seeing a ship that we spent so much time with, like, just easily being blown up was just like, oh my god. That is, uh, this is, this is bad. I just, I really enjoyed, like I said, I love that escalating feeling of, of things are about to get really bad. Whoops. And they we, did, they did a great job of that. We might be in some trouble here, guys. Yeah, New Bejor is, you know. As uh, as as uh, Neo Tokyo once did before, is about to explode. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what that stands for, but but Neo Tokyo is about to do it, and so is yep. New Beijer. Watch out! Yeah, radioactive man. <laughs> <laughs> the Odyssey is exploding again. <laughs> At least the Enterprise <laughs> the, isn't. Yeah, the shields—they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Jiminy Jillikers! <laughs> Jiminy Jillikers! Ugh. Yep. Uh, that's more or less all I had, except for a bunch of just, like, you know, fanboy squealing. Ah, oh, this is great! And which, this is great! Which I will spare you guys. Matt, you? Anything? I think that's everything I wanted to hit. Gav? Just one thing. Yes? Uh, yes. Quark. Is... Quark and the nature thing. He, he mentions the... He mentions he doesn't like nature or whatever, and he, he complains about the planet being humid. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, like, Ferenginar isn't humid. Well, I don't think we've established it yet. It's not really a spoiler or anything, but I don't think we've actually seen that on the show yet, that uh, Ringanar, it just, it, you know, got the oh, Seattle maybe. thing going. Yeah. Where it just rains all the time. See, so it's just like in Seattle. Huh? Huh? Jokes. Quark. Ha! Quark. Quark. 
Egon. You're going to make yourself sad again. Oh, I know. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. Think of the other Ghostbusters with the gorilla. All right. Ah! <laughs> you monster. Think of, think of Primeval. Yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, that is all for season two. Uh, the the uh, season three, without really spoiling anything, opens with a two-parter that follows on to some of the events here. And I remember it being fantastic. So mm. you got that to look forward to. So whoever it was that said we're not critical enough of the show... Uh, uh, you're sorry. right. Yeah, you're you're probably right. Oh well, <laughs> you only you only got about another year of this, another uh, four seasons of DS9, and then then we'll get critical again. I'm, yep. I assure you. <laughs> right, Gav. Like with knives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Having made your way all the way through Voyager on your own. You poor bastard. He, he's he's like no, the... I, I had I had Gavard on for company half of the week. Oh well. Yeah, yeah but we you didn't... never knew what was going on. You did the commentary on your own though. Yes. He didn't have to think about it critically. He could just sort of sit there and stare at it and then forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no wonder he was on the show a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing was is he watched it in, like, uh, 1998. <laughs> he was on a rotary dial phone. <laughs> he was on Flog's phone. phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, we, we mentioned uh, the episode guide is available now. Uh, our website, postatomichorror.com. If you want to write to us, our next supplemental is not going to be for a while, but uh, we'd love to hear from you, uh, postatomichorror at Gmail. Gav, tell the fine people about your podcast. My podcast is about Doctor Who, and it's basically doing the same thing that Postatomic Horror does, but with Doctor Who. And drinking. And drinking. Yes. Got, got to remember the drinking. Of course. Easy to forget. Um, yeah, we're just getting towards the end of the second Doctor. Nice. Um, an episode's just gone up last week called The Crotons. And then uh, next week I should be talking about the Incas nice. in, the his- in the history segment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. You do the, the in-betweens with uh, history and science. History and science. Yes. Me and Gav, always the eternal struggle. Right. Uh, for those of you not familiar, uh, Gav's uh, uh, co-host is also Gav. Yes. Not as confusing as you think. <laughs> there are four lights and two gaps. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're both called Carl. <laughs> Someone but, did ask, doesn't that get confusing or something once? Yeah, it, I just, it never does. In fact, when we're talking to like, you guys, I just say, hey, Gav, and one, like, one of you knows who I'm talking to. Just, I don't have to specify. It's weird. Yep. It all seems but to work out pretty well. Yep. But, but so, so it said to me and Gav, doesn't that get confusing? Um, I no, no, I know which one I, I know which one I am. Yeah, pretty clear on that. <laughs> pretty sure when I say Gav, I can only be talking to one person. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's uh, drunken time travel, right? Yes, drunkentimetravel.com. Right. Thank, thanks to Nathan for uh, thanks to Nathan for that shortening <laughs> your thought, URL for you. Yes, he thought it was a bad thing to do. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. No, it, it does make it easier to uh, to to advertise. So. Uh, so yeah, like I say, we've already done our supplemental for this season. So uh, next week begins season three, and you know the, uh, the the greatest era of of any Star Trek ever. So look forward to that. Yep. All right, Gav. Thank you as always, Matt. Say your thing. Dougherty out. That's not your thing. What? Say your thing. Oh, uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.